Get Heard with Ian Roth podcast, where it is our mission to enable leaders to effectively engage and motivate their audience through written and verbal communication. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Get Heard podcast. My guest today is from Singapore. Her name is Mei Ping. Actually, connected with her on LinkedIn. And she has a lot of awesome stuff that she is doing right now in her coaching business. But uh, today's conversation centers around emotional intelligence and what we as millennials can do if we're getting into the leadership business or are already leaders, some things that we can do to make sure that we are the most effective that we can be. So hope you enjoy today's interview with Mei Ping. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Get Heard podcast. I have a special guest today from Singapore, Me Mei Ping. Is that right? Yeah, Mei Ping. Yes. Yes. I didn't butcher it too bad. How are you doing today, May? Doing excellent. How about you? I'm doing great. What is the weather like out there in Singapore right now? I really don't know too much about Singapore. So it's absolutely sunny and that's very common the week before Chinese New Year. That's this Saturday. So yeah, very hot, sunny, humid. Hot, sunny and humid. You know, I miss I miss those temperatures. It was <laughs> like well, 20 degrees Fahrenheit today and it's just... Mm bone chilling cold. So uh, yeah, awesome. Glad, glad, glad you have some great weather out there. But uh, if you don't mind telling the audience a little bit about who you are, what you have going on and any special projects you have in the works right now. Yeah, sure. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Mei Ping. So right now I am um, coaching high performing young leaders and entrepreneurs to get out of their own way and create sustained success. So I'm very passionate about working with young people. Um, so I think youth are the future of you know, the world tomorrow. So my, a lot of my clients are in their 20s, 30s. They are really doing big things, either in their corporate job or launching businesses that are extremely exciting. So that's really going to be my focus um, in 2020 to really enable this group of um, people, as well as, you know, um, sharing some of my stories on podcasts and webinars just to get the word out there. Oh, that's awesome. And um, wh- what's the age of people that you have tended to work with so far, roughly? In the 20s, 30s? Um, so they are between the age of 25 to 35. So I think this is an extremely exciting group because it's kind of a crisscross between Generation Z as well as the millennials, which I'm also a millennial. So I think like, I resonate with their challenges and their goals a lot as well. Yeah, I'm also a millennial. And, you know, we get a bad rap very often in I society. Know. But <laughs> I know. I'm so tired of hearing it because so many of us do not live in our parents' basements and are extremely hard, outgoing and hard workers. So that's great. And I'm super excited for you that you get to work with that exciting age group of people. So just a little from what we were speaking about before the show, um, we were talking about emotional intelligence. So what is it for those of us who don't know, and how can leaders incorporate it into their leadership style? And you know, what, what just what can you tell us about it? So I think emotional intelligence is something that is an increasingly popular skill to have in the professional world and even in the business world as well. It is our ability to understand the emotions of others um, as well as our own emotions and how we come across to other people. I think in today's very busy and kind of fast-paced world, um, we tend to focus on a lot of our, our own priorities, right? What's important to us? What what do we want to look to next? But what is also really, I think, very essential is really understanding ourselves like in terms of strengths and weaknesses, 
so that we can really leverage them in whether it's in our corporate job or in our business, rather than just kind of looking outside and be guided by what other people are doing. Um, so I think that's absolutely essential. Be guided by what other people are doing. Could you elaborate on that a little more? Yeah, sure. So I think in the world right now, you know, there are lots of like YouTube videos, a lot of information out there um, giving us, you know, tips and guidance on what we should do if we want to have success, if you want to become a better leader. These are the five, 10 tips that you need to do, right? Um, but based on the clients that I've worked with, what I've found is that they do struggle to take on some of these tips on board, um, mainly because it doesn't really resonate with their personality. So they feel like there is this big personality change that they have to make to become successful. So what I always talk about is you know, how to leverage your personality and build EQ. EQ in the sense of um, active listening, really understanding, you know, having conversations at a deeper level, understand how you come across to other people um, so that you can really build that genuine and organic connection, which will then allow you to build positive as well as more productive relationships, whether it's in your job or in your business. I think you made a good point there about how you come across to other people. And I know when I was in my early 20s being in a management leadership role, I really wasn't aware how other people were perceiving me. I, if I needed something done, I just was very blunt in telling people that I needed something done. And that was kind of it. I really didn't have any emotional intelligence about how I went about it. Had very little tact in my delivery of what I was trying to get someone to do. So it wasn't until I read the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0, I kid you not, that is a phenomenal book and really just kind of like opened my mind into what I was doing and how I was communicating with other people. And, and quite honestly, that book is, is a big reason about why I became so passionate about these topics. So yeah, like you said, how you come across to other people is a is very, very important as a leader, but I think also as a team member. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Ian, to your point, you know, I, I think there is a there is a fine line between assertive as, uh, as compared to aggressive, right? So a lot of times, you know, if we're not extremely self-aware or we don't really have, you know, very high levels of EQ, we may think that, you know, it's, it's all right to be assertive, right? I'll just be extremely blunt, direct to ask for what I want. But then again, right, how is that um, message being perceived by your team members, your friends, your boss? Um, that might be taken a little bit um, differently and it may ultimately impact you know whether you are able to achieve the outcomes that you've set for yourself what are some things that that younger leaders who maybe don't have that experience as some of the more seasoned veteran leaders what are some things that those younger leaders can do to kind of realize that that they that they can tell the difference between being assertive and aggressive like what advice would you give those those young leaders i think the biggest advice i can give is really to utilize active listening skills. So a lot of times I find that young leaders are highly motivated. Um, they have very big goals. They know what they want. And I think that is, those are excellent qualities to really um, go for senior leadership and go for success, right? But you may miss out on very, some you know, wisdoms of nuggets uh, if you don't really just pause and listen. And just you know, pause listen, just trying to understand the points that maybe some of the um, older colleagues are trying to share. I think that really will allow you to have like a you know, 360 perspective on a particular issue or a particular project. And I think that's, particular, that's extremely helpful. Because a lot of times, you know, 
when we are very young leaders, and I have been a young leader myself. So when I was 27, I was running a multi-million dollar project for an international bank um, for regulatory remediation. So what we don't have in uh, years of experience, we can definitely leverage other people's knowledge. And the way, we, the best way to do that is, is to listen and listen very attentively at some of the points, um, some of their experiences, what were the challenges that they have encountered and how we can take those on board to then, you know, um, make a you know, better decision-making process or make our um, review a lot more holistic when we move forward. So taking a pause and listening is very, very important as opposed to being that young, eager, young leader where when someone else is talking, you're not really listening, but you're just thinking about what you're going to say. So, I mean, a- active listening is extremely important. Active listening is a lot different than than maybe hearing what someone's saying. You actually have to give that person your attention and that kind of space in your mind to actually have those sound waves come in through your ears and absorb what they're saying and and really think about what they're saying. So yeah, like you said, I think active listening is is often a challenge for young leaders because they're so eager, they're so high energy and high highly motivated that they just want to get out there and get after everything all the time. Exactly. Yeah, because this part also links to the other piece, which is um, gaining respect, right? So as a young leader, you will inherently be judged because you're probably only, only in your 20s and 30s. And the people who are working with you, they might be a lot older, right? So the whole very eager, highly motivated um, uh, attitude may be seen as arrogance, right? So that's a gray line that we want to be careful of, you know, back to your point, right? How we come across to other people. I mean, that's, that's essential to take note. Yeah. Being seen as arrogant is often, you know, something that older people who have been around and kind of know the reality of the situation can see a young person as you get this young hard charger in here, thinks that they know everything. And when in reality, say I've been here for 20 years and you know, I know deep down that this young leader is going to find out very quickly the the harsh truth of what the situation really is. So, yeah, do, do not come across as arrogant. I think arrogance is, well, arrogance is a lot different than confidence, right? Mm, definitely. Being aware of how other people perceive you, how would you explain the difference to our listeners between arrogance and confidence? I think, you know, for based on what I've seen, I think arrogance... Um, is further excavated by a very highly motivated um, young leader who just wants to speak their mind and not listen to someone else. Sorry, a lot of it actually kind of boils down to the listening piece. Um, but the other very interesting piece to that is h- how well do you know yourself, right? Your strengths versus weaknesses. So I can share one example here. So I was talking to a very young leader the other day and um, she told me that, oh, you know, I recently got some feedback that I am stubborn. Um, but I don't think that's the case. I think I'm just very determined and people don't like that. So I find that even in that two, two lines, uh, we had to really deep dive into what she perceives as it is okay, right, to be determined uh, versus how people are actually perceiving her. So I think uh, not, not just understanding your own strengths and weaknesses, but your own interpretation of what those mean, um, I, I found that extremely interesting. People think I'm stubborn, but I disagree with them. That's not the case. Yeah, that's, I disagree. That's good. I mean, that, that, that's a, yeah, <laughs> that, that's a great example of exactly just what we're talking about here. Wow. Hit the nail on the head with that one. I've been known to be very stubborn too. So mm. whoever that person was, I personally relate to that person. And I, I feel mm. I feel your struggle and your pain. Yeah. 
So what we can do, right, it's not about changing your personality, but it's just what I call behavioral adjustments, right? So what are the little things that you can do to not come across as stubborn? So one of the things um, is um, try to listen, be curious about what the other person has to say. Um, normally that's quite helpful. And trying to meet halfway. Make sure that you listen to the other person's opinion first before just like sort of brushing it off because that's not going to be taken very kindly. And I think it's important to, in your, as a young leader, to be as objective as you possibly can because you don't have all the experience yet to be subjective and be able to apply experience to situations, but being objective, gathering the facts, kind of maybe writing it all down if that helps and, and looking at everything and examining it and just seeing what makes logical sense if there's a decision that needs to be made. Yeah, absolutely. Maintaining a positive attitude to me is the biggest win because what we have as young people is that high energy, Very, we are very positive people, or at least I like to think that we are very positive people. Um, Definitely. <laughs> so um, I think that easily kind of um, drives motivation, creates the hype of like, you know, gathering a group uh, of um, colleagues or team who want to work with us towards the ultimate goal. So we need to make sure that we are we are also aware of how we are we ourselves are getting in our own way, right? So the other piece, of course, is um, taking critique well. So uh, one of the other clients that I was working with as well, um, her boss was giving her a lot of feedback, and she took it quite differently. She said, "Oh, you know, why is he controlling me? Why is he, you know, say giving me a lot of critique?" So then we had to deep dive and say, "Okay, what is the purpose? Why do you think that um, you're getting such feedback?" And you know. How can you relate that to some of the things that you have done and how could that potentially come across? So I think, you know, how you approach feedback is it could really slow down your growth or it could allow you to grow exponentially. So I think that that is quite an interesting component as well. What are some things that we should have in mind when someone is critiquing us or giving us feedback so that we can make the most out of whatever that person is giving us, whether we agree with it or not? First step is to have a paper, write it down. Because when you listen to it, you automatically will get emotional because no one likes to be told that they have not done something correctly or they could have done something better, especially high-performing young leaders or entrepreneurs because they have, I mean, this group of people, they have experienced a lot of success at a very early age. So the ego is definitely there. The I am 100% right. I know what I'm doing. That, that attitude is definitely there. So... Um, what I found very helpful for me is to just write it down, but also ask what examples can the other person share with you? So you say, okay, you know, if, uh, okay, I take your feedback. Thank you for your feedback. Feedback is a gift. Um, but can you share with me a couple of examples where I came across as being stubborn, for example? So try to get examples because otherwise it's just going to sound very vague. And when something is vague, we tend to tie to an emotion. And most of the times those are pretty negative emotions, such as being frustrated, like, what the hell is this, this and that? Um, and it just kind of impacts like your mindset and the way you approach work in the future. I never thought of it that way, but vagueness makes us tie an emotion to it. And just briefly thinking back over some examples from my life, I never realized that, but I mean, that's very powerful. The Oftentimes when I get the angriest or the most emotional about feedback is when there's poor examples that the person who's giving me the feedback, you know, is providing. So that, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, Vagueness does tend to make us get emotional about things. I love what you said about write it down. I don't know if you can hear me as you're talking. I'm trying to mute my microphone when you're talking, but I'm here taking notes and, and clicking away on my keyboard because, yeah, writing stuff down is huge. Not only 
so that you can remember it and take it back with you and maybe review it when you're not in an emotional state during that critique that's going on, but just so you have record of it. And, you know, maybe if someone else gives you similar feedback somewhere down the road, you have a record of it that, you know, hey, maybe three months ago, someone else told me that. So maybe there is something wrong here and I need to start looking at possibly changing some behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, frequent reflection um, is definitely a strong point. And I, this is something that I'm not seeing a lot of um, leaders, uh, a lot of leaders doing. And I find that extremely powerful because if you don't um, reflect and figure out, you know, if there's some common themes in the way you're making decisions or, um, you know, uh, taking the steps forward, then that's where you will encounter the similar problems in the future. Yeah, totally. If you're, if you can't make those connections or, or realize that things are going on, you're just like history is more likely to repeat itself if we don't know anything about it. So talking about being on the receiving end of the critique, what are some good things that we can do as a leader, maybe sitting down doing a performance review of one of our employees to give concrete, valid, and I guess helpful, well-pointed feedback to a, a member of our team? Yeah. So that's something that I used to do quite a lot of, uh, of my team members as well um, across different countries. And what I find very helpful is to always start with the good points, right? Because throughout you know, a six-month period or a year, there must be some really awesome stuff that your team members have done. So I think um, it's very important to acknowledge that and to be reminded that these are some of the amazing contributions that they have helped us, um, whether it's our business or it's a team or a function, because that's something that we, we tend to forget, right? It's a lot easier to remember, this is, these are some of the things that you forgot to do. Um, and then we tend to talk about uh, maybe some of the improvement points a lot more. But I would encourage leaders to talk about some of the good stuff first. And when you share development point, definitely provide examples. And also share how should the employee, should your staff improve, what bigger goals can they achieve in the future? I think it's always very important to show them how some of these um development points are actually holding them back from their highest potential. That's good. And just kind of like we talked about on the receiving end, the providing solid examples that the that the employee or the team member can remember, say, hey, team member, you did this in this situation and kind of review it and talk it over with the person and explain the observations that you had. Maybe there's something else going on that the team member didn't tell you about that you know you as the leader were unaware of and it gives you a good time to do some coaching there. I mean that's really what a a performance appraisal or or things of that nature are about. It's a one-on-one coaching session and you're you're, you're not there to reprimand, you're not there to discipline unless maybe something egregious was and you're there to coach the the person and make them a better person and and a better asset to your team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that is the power of a one-to-one conversation, as you said, right? There could be other things that has happened that the leader may not be aware of. So this is an amazing session for you to find out the information that you need and also to um, provide your um, team member some suggestions to how they can pivot this um, situation in the future. What are some of the things that you know they may not be aware of that they could possibly do, right? And give them really that options. And more importantly, have frequent one-on-one conversations, right? Not just, you know, once or twice a year because then that allows you to understand um, and monitor their growth and allow you to provide some feedback along the way. 
in your experience, what is an appropriate occurrence for one-on-one feedback sessions that you've seen? For me, I think quarterly works because a lot of times like in business, we do have quarterly goals. So um, real change to me takes a little bit of time as well because there, there's time needed to absorb sort of the suggestions and also to practice the new behaviors or the new ways of thinking. So normally between, yeah, an average of three months um, is kind of helpful for the learnings to be incorporated, embedded, um, as well as um, new thoughts on some other areas that can be improved as well. I think quarterly is extremely appropriate. Uh, the organization I'm in right now, that's what our, our performance appraisals or that's what our, our, we call them counselings. They're quarterly counselling. So every three months, sit down. And like you just said, quarterly is great because there's enough of a time frame in there to allow the employee or the team member to change his or her behavior if that's what, what is deemed appropriate. And then um, you can also tie some goals to that time frame. You know, 90 days quarterly is a good amount of time to to have goals associated. It gives the employee time to think, plan, and act on those goals. One thing that just came to mind very quickly is, um, uh, which is a comment that um, a lot of people have given me. They said they used to say, "Oh, Mayping, you're really young, and you know, obviously, you know, they they have some feedback on my performance and whatnot." But they said what they really like about me is that I always look very positive and I smile all the time. So a smile is a universal language to connect with everybody, regardless of age, background, whatever. So I think just keep a smile on your face because. A lot of young leaders, right, highly enthusiastic, most of the time extremely serious because they have massive goals that they want to hit. So we want to make sure that we, we come across as extremely approachable, um, easy to talk to, and someone that people want to be around. I think that that is really the game changer. Having a smile is extremely important and something that I've had to work on. I was... It's like you, it's like, you know, me, oh my goodness. It's like, you know, me from when I was younger, I was this this serious young leader walking around, thought I had to like, you know, be on my A game, super serious, super business all the time. And exactly what you said, I was extremely unapproachable. People had a very difficult time coming up and talking to me about anything. So it wasn't until one of my mentors kind of brought that to my attention and, you know, I was young and dumb for lack of a better word. And I didn't even know that I was doing this. I thought this was just how you act as a leader. And I really didn't know any better. So having a smile on your face is a super easy way to say, hey, come up and talk to me. Um, I may be a manager or supervisor, but I'm extremely approachable. And you know, I'm really, as a leader, here to serve you. Yeah. Imagine all the information that you could have missed out because someone you know, in your team felt that you they didn't feel very comfortable to come and share, you know, nuggets of wisdom with you, right? So I think it makes you a more complete leader. And I think a a leader is someone that is respected, not because of the authority, but because, you know, people genuinely want to follow you. You know, they believe in your ideas, they believe in your style, and they want to support you. I think that that is the distinction of a leader. Again, you're respected as a leader, not because of your authority, but because people want to get behind you and and be behind you and support your cause. So that's perfectly said. Love it. What, what advice would you have for someone who's maybe 20, 22 years old, maybe went to college, university, and coming into the professional workforce in some sort of supervisory or management goal? Like what? They're a little nervous. They're going to be, maybe have people 
working for them that are older than they are. So what, what kind of advice would you give them to set them up for success and kind of make them feel more comfortable? So the baseline is that you should really know your job, right? Because if you don't know what you're supposed to do, then that's a problem. Um, the second very important thing is to build genuine relationships uh, with the people who are working with you. I mean, take them out for one-on-one coffee and, you know, be humble and say, you know, this is, this is my first job, my first managerial job. I am very keen to learn from all of you. Um, yeah, I mean, do approach me if you have any questions and, you know, we'll have regular team meetings. Feel free to speak your mind. I think you need to give um, other, your team members space to interact with you, right? The last thing we want to see is like a leader hiding in his, own, his or her own office and waiting for someone to come knock on the door. So I'm here to tell you that no one is going to do that. Um, really, it's up to you to be humble and really reach out to, to connect with the people who are working with you. Humility and being humble is like one of my favorite things as a leader. And if I said I was humble, I don't know if that would actually be humble of me. But I think that's extremely important because it makes you much more relatable to others and the the approachability of other people coming up and, and talking to you. And really, who wants to work for some arrogant jerk? Like, really? Exactly. <laughs> How, how many, I mean, how many horror stories have you heard from friends or just anywhere where my boss is such a jerk, he did this. And it's usually in some way or shape tied to arrogance and mm. someone having a really high opinion of themselves. Yeah. And that's just, that's not pleasant for anybody. That's an unpleasant working environment. And I think oftentimes those people who work for those kinds of people, there's a big turnover problem associated with those positions because nobody wants to work for an arrogant jerk. <laughs> exactly. And I guess a lot of times as leaders, I mean, I mean, the same with all of us, we all have blind spots. And, you know, Ian, like you shared earlier, you know, your mentor point out, pointed out your blind spot to you and that was extremely helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for young leaders, it's always helpful to find a coach, find a mentor, someone who can um, guide you along the way, pinpoint, you know, some of your development points, things that you're, you're not even aware of, right? But it pays massive dividends years down the road. It definitely does pay mass dividends down the road. And if you don't think that you have a good picture of yourself or are self-aware, if you're able to be self-aware to know that you're not self-aware, I guess, <laughs> ask somebody about it. Ask a peer, ask maybe your boss, ask yeah. a friend. And like you said, there are blind spots and we all have them. Nobody's perfect. Mm. That maybe we just don't know that it's there and we don't know that we're acting a certain way and you know, have get a piece of paper and have someone give you some honest feedback about yourself. Yeah. And definitely take the time to review those feedback. And when you find yourself getting emotional, when you're reading the feedback, take a break, go and have coffee and do something else. And when you're in a much calmer mind, take a look at those feedback again and identify some of the few steps, that, small steps that you can take to um, make, um, make some adjustments. Never look at like feedback when you're in a very bad mood. Yeah, that's a terrible time to look at feedback. You're going to be, your bad mood is going to go from bad to worse very, exactly. very quickly. So is there uh, anything else, any other advice that you'd give to young leaders, maybe some things you wish you would have known as a young leader coming into the workforce for the first time? Well, don't, don't be afraid of being judged. Don't, don't let that hold you back. Um, we are all different people. We like certain things, we don't like certain things. So it is not possible to be well-loved by every single person who's working with you. So make sure that, you know, you are 100%, you have 100% conviction in your purpose, your vision as a leader, 
And what you can do is to meet your team halfway. So make an effort, but never feel afraid or intimidated by the um, judgment that I mean, we will receive, whether it's positive or negative. I think that's, that's my biggest learning. And I wish that someone would have told me that before I joined the workforce. Yeah, don't be afraid to be judged. Obviously, you're new to the workforce. You oftentimes don't know what you don't know. And there's going to be those moments where you're, you're going to learn a whole heck of a lot of things pretty quickly. So people are going to judge you. All you can do is take that for what it's worth and use it to become a better person. Absolutely. All right, May, as we're wrapping up here, is there uh, anything else that we didn't hit on in this episode? I just want to make sure that we get everything that you want to say out here. I think I, I said everything that I wanted to say. We, we hit everything on the nail. And I think, you know, Ian, appreciate that you share some of your personal experiences as well. So that, that really makes it a, a very holistic discussion. And I really appreciate that. Well, I greatly appreciate you being on the show, especially being basically half a world away. I mean, that's so cool with technology today. I can have conversations with all these great people all across the world that I probably 10, 20 years ago never would have been able to speak with. So thank you so much for being on the show. May, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about who you are and what you're doing? So um, you can find me on LinkedIn um, at Mayping Lim. So that's where I post a lot of like nuggets of wisdom, whether it's um, emotional intelligence, leadership, communication, and some other thoughts around travel and culture, because I, I personally love travel as well. So that would be the best place to look for me, which is on my LinkedIn. Awesome. And again, May, thank you so much for being on the episode. I know our listeners are going to get a lot of great tangible things that they can take out of this episode and implement into their everyday lives. So thank you for all that. And again, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Ian, for having me. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Get Heard podcast. If you want to find out more about what I'm doing with this Get Heard podcast thing, please go online at getheardpodcast.com. Leave me a review on whatever podcast platform you use to listen to your podcast. Tell a friend about it. I would be forever grateful and in your debt if you could do that for me. And if you'd like to receive my once a week, and that's all, once a week, I promise, newsletter, please go on my website, getheardpodcast.com slash newsletter, and you can sign up for it. So thank you so much for checking me out this week. Hope you enjoyed it, and I will see you next time.